Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Really special and exciting episode for you all today. I will be joined later by Falcons head coach Arthur Smith to break down eh, a lot of things, really. <laughs> we get into, you know, the quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter in year two, what he's looking for in this upcoming preseason game against Miami, which will take place on Friday night. So we will get to see the Atlanta Falcons back in action for the first time this preseason. So it'll be really Exciting to see the Falcons back on the field. This new look defense. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see too, too much of Bijan Robinson out there. So may have to wait to see the uh, kind of that new addition on offense. But we had a, a good conversation, Arthur Smith and I. And, you know, he's not going to reveal too, too much on a podcast like this. He, like a lot of people around the NFL, very wary of, of the level of information that is accessible. Um, so I didn't even really want to asking many of those questions. My mindset, whenever I get an opportunity like this, because that's what a lot of the media availability sessions are, is, is you're asking about the news of the day. You're asking about Clark Phillips. You're asking about Jeff Okuda. You know, when he was hurt, I was there in that press conference. So that is where a lot of the news is going to come out. And I've been in enough of those press conferences to know that Arthur Smith is not really going to be too forthcoming and too revealing of all of the very sensitive information. So what I wanted to try to do was really just ask him about some of these topics that I do think get overlooked or really just asked about um, in a cursory way because it's not the most exciting thing, but it does have an impact on the performance of the team out there on the field. You know, something like the expansion of the facilities up in Flowery Branch. I thought he gave a great answer to that. Um, some of the ways in which Arthur Smith has tried to learn and improve himself in ways outside of football. You know, I think a lot of people ultimately ended ended up turning this into a little bit of a punchline. But Thomas Dimitrov and his uh, cycling enthusiasm and and interest in that sport, I do think, led to a lot of interesting ideas that he ultimately ultimately ended up bringing here to Atlanta. And he talked a lot about you know being with the uh, the Sky team down there uh, for the Tour de France and just kind of working with them and seeing how they innovate and use analytics and everything to be smarter about, you know, the way they train, the way they perform and, and all of that. So Arthur Smith does very similar things. I loved his answer on that question as well. So that is really what we've got on tap today. It's going to be a short and sweet podcast because that interview is the meat of it all. So I don't really want to waste too much more time um, before we get into that. However, I do want to just share, you know, one or two thoughts that I have heading into uh, Friday night's matchup against the Miami Dolphins for the first preseason game. So let's get to that really quickly. But first, Bet Online is the number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, which are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, 
where the game starts. All right, I mentioned really quickly just a couple of things that I'm anticipating on Friday night. Number one, I don't think you're going to see a lot of the starters. I generally believe, you know, the the teams prefer to see a lot of this stuff when they have joint, joint practice opportunities. It's a much more controlled environment. They're able to dictate a lot more things. And then generally, you know, it's just, I think, a better overall evaluation process for coaches than just one preseason game where you're generally maybe getting, you know, the, the guys that are really kind of there fighting for starting roles or whatnot, you know, a handful of snaps in, in action. And so I think that especially coming off of two days of joint practices against this team that you're about to see on Friday night and, you know, my idiotic self asked right off the bat, you know, what goes into making joint practices with the Dolphins? And he basically, in the nicest way possible, was like, well, it was dictated to us uh, by the league because we have our first preseason game. So there you go. Um, So enjoy that. uh, And me just immediately putting my foot in my mouth on the very first question. But I think that coming off those two joint practices, you're going to get some of Desmond Ritter. I think you're going to get, you know, some of some of these offensive linemen, Matthew Bergeron, for sure, these defensive linemen. But by and large, I don't think you're going to see a ton of the starters out there. I really don't know how much we're going to see of Bijan Robinson. I don't know how much we're going to see of Kyle Pitts, Drake London, the like. I would be very surprised if we see Clayus Campbell, even though he's coming off. Some of these banged up corners uh, definitely don't anticipate seeing either of them. So I would bet on a lot of the depth pieces getting a lot of run. And that's frankly going to be exciting um, because the depth players have looked sharp for Atlanta. now. Granted that they're just going up against other Atlanta pieces. So I've not been at joint practices. I've not yet seen them go up against, uh, you know, another team in Miami. Very much looking forward to that on Friday. However, I wrote down a few positions where I've been impressed by the depth uh, from what I've seen so far in training camp and expect that to continue to be the case on Friday night against another team. The defensive line. I know Josh Kendall mentioned Joe Gaziano in his uh, report from Tuesday's practice. He was somebody when I was up there last Friday really kind of jumped out to me as well. And so number 99 is he's working to maybe be that like eighth man on the defensive line rotation. He had uh, by Josh's account a a really good practice on Tuesday. I thought he looked pretty good on Friday. Almost asked Arthur Smith about it on Friday when I was up there and decided not to. But that's an example, I think, of the depth that you're seeing Zach Harrison, the rookie, he's another player that I would expect to get a a good amount of playing time. He is looking pretty sharp so far, and and that's another just really solid depth piece. Taquan Graham, who last year looked maybe like the second best defensive lineman, all of a sudden with some of these additions is like fourth or fifth on that list. So you're seeing how these improvements are having ripple effects down the roster. Corner, that's another spot where, you know, The two injuries, Jeff Okuda and Clark Phillips, first off, hate it for Clark Phillips, but by all accounts, looks like he just maybe got leg whipped a little bit, and that ultimately led to some of the x-rays. So it looks like things will be better for him on that front. So that's great news. Jeff Okuda, of course, we know that very pleased with uh, the outcome and the results of his MRI, so they expect to have him earlier in the season than, uh, than later. It wouldn't put a specific week on it, but you know, maybe one week, one, two, three, four, somewhere in there. And that is great news by all accounts uh, compared to how it looked initially. So the depth 
four-year secondary is going to, I think, improve because of these two injuries. You know, it's going to be an opportunity for other guys to get these increased reps. And I I do think you're going to see that on Friday night, even though, you know, there's some reports out there that seems like the uh, the Falcons secondary held their own. It certainly seems like on Wednesday in the two-minute drill at the end of practice, couple pass breakups, Jalen Hawkins again getting another interception. So he has been just interception Ike out here uh, so far in training camp in the preseason for the Falcons. That is uh, a good news for the, you know, essential third safety, I think, on this roster. Um, but that is an, another position where I think you're going to see the depth really throughout most of this game. Guys like, uh, you know, D. Alford, Mike Hughes going to be out there. Cornell Armstrong going to be out there. I expect you to see a, a good bit of Jalen Hawkins as well. Um, so that's another spot. And then I think quarterback and running back there. There was a really interesting answer from Arthur Smith about the quarterback position and kind of that new rule on the roster where you can have him um, kind of up and active on game day and not really counting like, for your your active game day slots. But it is a spot on your roster. So like, how do you kind of weigh all of that? I think you're going to see a lot of Logan Woodside in this game. Uh, and and he has been pretty sharp in practice for a third string quarterback. Like I, I've been fairly impressed with what I've seen from Logan Woodside. So I would expect it to be the Logan Woodside show for a good bit on Friday. And I do think that there's a chance for it to be one of the better third string quarterback performances that the Falcons have had in a while. Um, you know, going back to the, Danny Etlings and the various Simses that have been in here. Uh, you know, I think that Logan Woodside has the tools to make it interesting. And then finally running back. You know, I, I think that there have been some various guys uh, out there for Atlanta who have looked pretty sharp, not named Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson or Bijan Robinson. And, you know, I, I do think that you're going to end up seeing guys like uh, Godwin Iguabuike and, uh, Carlos Washington and and those guys really get a good amount of run out there uh, on Friday night because really they're going to need to. So um, look out for that. That is kind of where my mind is heading into Friday night, that first preseason game against Miami. Again, the most important thing, win-loss doesn't matter. Get out of there healthy. Stay healthy. Uh, Injuries have started to creep in on the periphery for this team. I would love for that to just go away and for the ultimate outcome of the game to be a success because everybody is staying healthy. So knock on all the wood. That is what matters. But what matters right now is getting some insight from Arthur Smith. Here we go. The head coach of the Atlanta Falcons joins me now. Coach, how you doing? Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Just want to start off with a little bit of talk about joint practices. What goes into making the decision to do a joint practice with the Miami Dolphins? Well, some of it, you know, is out of your control, depending on the schedule the NFL gives you for the preseason. And, um, you know, just the way it worked out, you know, sometimes you, you can fill out, you know, where you would like to go in the preseason. You know, if you kind of, loosely talk to somebody about, Hey, maybe we can get together and have a joint practice. But then, you know, if you, you can't control everything in the schedule. So they try to, they try to accommodate you, but sometimes it doesn't work out exactly how you want. But with Miami, we were able to make it work. And uh, it's also good for us to get on the road and do it. You know, we, we had the, because of the schedule this year, we have the, uh, we have the eight home games instead of nine. So that means you have two preseason home games and we, we prefer to do these joint practices on the road. Hmm. 
Well, I then, I guess, you know, given the fact that the Dolphins, and I know you talked a little bit about this in the lead up to this practice, but it is a different type of not only scheme, but but different players. You know, the speed, certainly at the wide receiver position is real for the Dolphins. You know, how do you feel that your secondary um, held up over these two joint practices against, you know, guys like Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddle? Yeah, we held well. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, that. Well, that's what makes the NFL fun. I mean, there's a lot of different schemes, a lot of different team building philosophies. And so Miami, they have, they've leaned into, they're a little bit smaller, but they've got some fast guys and there's no doubt about it. And, you know, how they try to move them around and, you know, so there's certain things you got to, it's good to get tested. You know, I, I've got argue that Tyreek is arguably the, the fastest player in the league. And I, <laughs> he's certainly not one, then he's one B, but, uh, so, he provides a unique challenge and uh, it's good to match up because it, you know, whatever you're going to work on and, and certain, certain weeks are going to go in there and there's going to be bigger receivers and there's other weeks are going to be smaller guys, you know? And so it gives you a chance to kind of test them your, your, your plans for that, that type of uh, scheme and personnel. Exactly. Around the full spectrum, you get the size, you know, <laughs> when you line up against your own team, you get the speed down here in Miami. Um, and also in the plans, for the organization long-term, uh, expanded facilities, locker room, weight room. Uh, I know you're excited to be able to kind of add in those areas. You know, how do you expect that those additions will benefit the long-term vision for this team and, and ultimately lead to maybe better execution out there on the field? You know, I think there's a lot of changes happening in the NFL in terms of the facilities. Um, you know, there, there's very few teams that go on the road anymore for training camp. Right. I mean, there's mm-hmm. teams that used to, I mean, that go to different small colleges and that was kind of the way it went in the NFL. And then these were four teams grew really as, you know, as co- big companies. I and mean, there's so many people that work on NFL teams now, not just in, in the football part, but just all around. So these facilities of around the league have gotten, they've expanded, you know, it's NFL is way more transient now, you know, and a lot of it was the money. And so if you're going to spend like on, on your facilities and the training rooms, all stuff, like why would you want to go away for five weeks when the, you know, the most critical time where you're going to have the most traffic in your training rooms or recovery rooms and the, you know, the, the different tubs and cryo chambers, all this money you've invested, you'd be away. So mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot yeah. of teams have, you know, started to do training camp among other things is at their own facilities. And then what really is, is the thing is people forget about is these locker rooms. They weren't built to have this many players during the regular season. I mean, the practice squads expanded, uh, you know, the rosters have just gotten bigger. Mm-hmm. Coaching staffs have gotten bigger. So we kind of, a lot of teams have outgrown their facilities. So some of these plans were, were ahead and then there was a lot, you know, made of different, you know, like, you know, it's like recently biased, like, Hey, the surveys, but we to give those guys in the business part of the organization a lot of credit. I mean, they, they were mapping this stuff out. Um, it was approved, I believe last October. And it's going to be exciting. You know, it's just, we've got a lot more people at work in there. We'd have, we're going to have a bigger weight room. Uh, hopefully, you know, you know, it doesn't cost anything to come in there in the off season. I mean, if you, you respect people, you know, a lot of guys go to different training facilities, but if you've got a really top, not one, top, not one, maybe it incentivizes more guys to come in there in the off season. And that could be a bonus. Um, and then the locker room as well, just to expand it. You just need more room. That's a that's a really fascinating insight about the the growth on the NFL rosters. And you're right about the expanded practice squads. And, and really, it just does kind of outpace the infrastructure growth 
for various reasons. But yeah, that that's a really um, interesting point there that I, I'd never considered. Um, you know, when you you've talked a lot about uh, this training camp specifically, you know, your willingness to look across industries and in various aspects of your life outside of football for lessons, insights, um, different things that may help you as a coach, as a professional, you know, human being. Uh, can you give us any examples in the past um, about a lesson or, you know, an insight that you've maybe learned outside of the football field that has helped you um, in the realm of football? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, just trying to, you know, as, as a leadership skills and just management, you know, those are things that they get lost. Sometimes people get so enamored with the X's and O's or one particular play that, you know, the fundamental job of being a head coach is, is having the right leadership traits. Sometimes people don't, in my opinion, work on that enough. Um, and that's, that's in any industry, you know, if you're going to manage people, you know, they're not, we're not just dealing with numbers and, and robots. Uh, maybe that's coming one day, but uh, <laughs> not not tomorrow. But uh, in all seriousness, so that's why you need to look around. You can learn so much from history and other other people that have done it. And uh, certainly, it helps when you when you have an owner like Arthur Blank, who, who's started and run a big company and dealt with managing people. Um, that's a that's a huge bonus working for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and then other people in other industries that have helped me out. Uh, in terms of another. I'll give you an example of a crossover sport, just philosophical, you know. I always liked the, the the fast break. I'm a North Carolina grad, and the way that you would see the pace they play sometimes, where you, it's like, do you, in the game, do you call a timeout or do you do not, you know, with, <laughs> can you yeah. get on a fast break? And, uh, you know, I just philosophically, I remember the game, and, and hopefully there's not too many Kentucky basketball fans uh, listening to your podcast to, to get all, all upset, but, uh, Watching UNC, I believe in the 17, when Luke May hit that shot, they didn't call a timeout. They pushed the ball. He hits a shot to beat Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. and we were in a game in, in 20 and uh, in a two-minute when I was in Tennessee as the coordinator, and, and we had a mechanism sometimes. you know, We'd hit a play down in the low red zone against Houston. To, to get, we were down trying to get the game in the overtime. And, and a lot of times, you know, it's whether you clock it or not, if you think you got them on, on the ropes. And uh, we used that mechanism, and we went fast and, and didn't didn't clock it. They try to settle in and, and went, and uh, we were able to score a touchdown pretty quick, catch them, you know, keeping the pace up. And I thought it was uh, really helped us, you know. And that philosophy, and we hit AJ Brown, uh, Tannehill did on a, on, a, on a fade, and it helped us get in overtime. We won the game, so that's just a small example there. But there's all kind of ideas that you know, philosophical approaches that may carry over. That's a beautiful example. And as a North Carolina basketball fan myself, uh, I'm just picturing Ty Lawson, you know, running down the point guard, you know, you make the fast break off a turnover and yeah, yeah you, you just push the gas pedal to the floor because you understand, Hey, where we are, like momentum might not be real, but play by play, like in the, the span of seconds. Yeah, it can be real and you can catch somebody on the back foot. So that's a, that's a wonderful example. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that um, with me. Let's talk a, a little bit, if you don't mind, about Desmond Ritter and the quarterback. And I've been reading some of your comments from yesterday's media session. It seems like, you know, decision-making, you were a little pleased um, with that. And you've been complimentary about his improvement, his command of the huddle, the ability to kind of digest a lot of the things that you throw at him. I'm, I'm just curious, so far in year two, have you noticed anything else that has stood out about um, Desmond Ritter as he embarks in his kind of first season as your starting quarterback from the jump? Yeah, I mean, this won't be a flashy example. It might kind of be boring, but really it's consistency day in and day out. 
you know, sometimes what happens to a lot of these young guys is it's the it's the mental grind that gets them. I mean, it's such a long season. And, you know, having a year under your belt, and I know he only started the last four, but just you know what to expect, the rhythm, and, and that's what wears a lot of guys down, not just physically, but mentally. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really uh, been impressed with his approach day in and day out, you know, the consistency so far. It is about building those habits, right? And once you're able mm-hmm. to kind Absolutely. of ingrain that, it makes it less less decision fatigue. You're able to kind of build and build and build. So that that does make a lot of sense. And if, if there's any court or any position where you want consistency to be the calling card, it's probably quarterback. That's a good place to uh yeah. to start, in my opinion. Um, you got your first preseason game tomorrow. Uh, I'm curious, you know, or apologies, Friday. Um, when mm-hmm. When evaluating a preseason performance, is it more about ticking boxes for you or confirming something that you or and confirming something you've already seen, or is it learning about something in a totally new environment? You know, you just finished up this new environment, joint practices on the road. Um, you know, as you go into this preseason game, do you want to s- confirm what you've seen before or learn something new about these guys? Uh, well, I think we take a case by case, you know, where guys are at their career. I think, um, you know, I've Coach a lot of different players, um, and the majority of them will tell you, like, hey, we need uh, a few snaps. You know, it's just so hard if you don't, you don't even get tackled or you know play it with a little more that speed, and all of a sudden you're you're expected to go 65 or 70 plays on September 10th, and yet you haven't trained to do that. And and I get that you know the risk, and you know a lot of times it's worked for certain people where you know they, they don't play anybody in the preseason, but uh, you look around the league and. and and history will tell you that you need to ramp ramp up, and um, and there may be a you know a guy or two that for whatever reason it's like hey it's not worth it. Just maybe they're a little you know they're coming off something or they're a little banged up, and you, you mm-hmm. got to be smart there. But overall, everybody needs to play. Now, how much you know we got to make sure we'll take it case by case. So philosophically, I think that's important, and that's what a good is part of the preseason is for. Especially the guys that you know are going to be here, and then for other people, you want to see them. You think a guy's been doing really well in practice in a kind of a controlled environment. Well, now you got to go let him play and see, all right, can you turn it on? It's another step of the evaluation. Um, so we're excited. You know, we'll play everybody at some point. Uh, we'll make a decision here in the next 24 hours about who's going to play Friday night. It certainly helps having the joint practice. Um, and then the other thing, there's some, you know, roster, just, you know, strategy decisions you got to make. Now with the third quarterback, that, quarter, yeah. that third quarterback, you want to press him and get that 49 spot. He's got to be on your 53. So then you got to weigh, okay, if we feel like we've got three good quarterbacks. It's kind of a bonus spot on game day, but it, it could affect your decision-making who you keep on the 53. So you got to weigh all that. And, you know, the, a lot of these rules get changed because something happens in a big playoff game late in the year. So the, now we've gone back to this third quarterback. It's not the same rule that they had before. You know, that, that's, that is different. Uh, just like if everybody dresses eight offensive linemen, but if you don't dress eight, you don't get the 48 spot. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, and uh, we got to find, find out as well. And so that, that, that'll take a, you know, big part of why, you know, we may do who we play, I guess, is the best way to answer it on Friday night. Yeah, I know. That, that is a... <laughs> Man, it sounds complicated to be an NFL head coach. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that seems like it's uh, it's shifting around quite quite frequently. But um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of factors. I'm I'm very curious the quarterback thing, especially how that's going to kind of play into to everything just around the league uh, is going to be really 
interesting yeah. to watch. Last one for you, coach. And again, I really appreciate the time. Um, this one has been a little bit of a, a personal interest of mine. And in watching the defensive line, I mean, it seems as though so far, uh, everything is is kind of falling into place. Um, but Ryan Nielsen, the the going against the Saints defensive front the last couple of years since you've been here in Atlanta, did that play any type of factor in your decision to ultimately bring him in as defensive coordinator? Or you know, what, were there other um, considerations that ultimately led to that decision? I've certainly got a up close and personal look, and somebody's your adversary, and you bring them in. But I, you know, I've got nine over the years, um, and everybody's got their different philosophies. But I, but to me, the, the most impressive thing what I watch as a coach um, is if can you know, there's a couple things. Like if you get a really talented veteran that's hitting the stride, like that's not a that's not a biggest talent as a coach. Mm-hmm. When you could take, but you got to be able to do that because every team's you got to mix it up. And I think Ryan did a terrific job with Cam Jordan and guys that are that are top in, you know, veteran players. But he also did a really good job with young players and developing them, whether they were early draft picks or a lot of, you know, guys that were undrafted. To me, that's a big, not just my personal opinion, but when you can develop guys, especially the guys that that want big and and you know, highly invested players and, and turn them into consistent NFL players or help them reach that, that's a sign of a really good coach. Uh, you know, I joke, like if somebody's in their prime, like just kind of get out of the way, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes you watch some of those guys in basketball. It's like, Hey man, just, just sit there and not, don't screw up the inbound play and, and let them roll. But, uh, I, being facetious a little bit, but it's developing the players. That's impressive for really when guys can do more with less and they can problem solve. To me, that's a sign of a good coach. Well, so far it, it looks like he's, uh, he's getting a lot out of, uh, a lot of the players on your roster on the defensive line and, and the front overall. So everything looks good there. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck to you guys on Friday. Looking forward to getting back at the flower branch soon and checking out another practice. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Awesome. All right. That will do it for today's show, which as always was presented by bet online. Thank you again to Arthur Smith, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons for taking some time to join me on today's show. Please spread this one around if you guys enjoyed hearing from Coach Smith. Uh, We always are trying to have more players, more coaches on this podcast to let you guys hear directly from the source. So hopefully more of that is coming down the pipe. But as for the immediate future, if the game on Friday is worth an immediate reaction podcast, then I will probably hit the mics. If not, Look for the next podcast on this feed to be coming bright and early Monday morning as usual. So we're kind of getting into the normal Thursday, Monday flow that we will be featuring in the regular season. Going to hit up Ovi again, see if he's going to be able to share his thoughts on that first um, preseason game. If not, going to try to find another guest. You may just have a a quick solo pod, me breaking down my thoughts. But again, a lot of this is going to depend on just what happens in the preseason game. So if it's great, yeah, maybe be on the lookout bright and early Saturday morning or even late Friday night, and I may hit you up with some thoughts. If not, then again, Monday morning is when you will find me, and I'm really looking forward to it. We have football back in our lives, finally, officially. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for Friday night, and I know you guys can't either. So I will see you very, very shortly with my thoughts from that game. But until then, everybody, take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.